Welcome to the Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 10. I'm Philip Wells, a member at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Ulm, Minnesota. It is my privilege to be your host for this episode. We begin today with an update from the Wells Mission Blog. The following mission blog was shared on wells.net by one of our Wells missionaries. He was left in the ditch for dead. By whom? Why? Was he perhaps a shiftless bum with no family? Was he a criminal whose deeds finally cut up with him? Was he a leper, abandoned by society? Why was he left on the side of the road to die? And who would do such a thing? The young man had AIDS. Having AIDS in rural India is easy to come by and difficult to endure. The spread of AIDS in India is second only to parts of Africa in its epidemic proportions. None of the millions of Hindu gods seem to be very serious in condemning promiscuity. False religion leads to deadly consequences in more than one way. And then there's the medical ignorance of the rural culture. Another man with AIDS was beaten to death by an angry mob in his village because the villagers were convinced they were going to catch the dreaded disease. They didn't know that beating the man greatly increased their chances. This young man caught the disease by his sinful lifestyle. He, too, did not fully understand his condition. Social pressure kept him from admitting what he had. Toward the end, he even kept it from his mother and allowed her to wash his bleeding sores without any protection. Finally, he ended up in a hospital. The hospital could not stop the swollen sores from bleeding. Their solution? Throw him out on the street. They did not want anyone in the community to find out that they had a bleeding man with AIDS in their hospital. But the Lord had a plan. The sick young man had started to attend worship services at the new mission begun by the national pastor. The young man liked what he heard, how Jesus heals each one of our diseases, particularly that of our sin. He kept coming back. The pastor contacted the family. He's in the hospital, said his mother. We released him, said the nurse. The pastor found him, left in the ditch for dead. And the gospel of Jesus pulled the young man out of his spiritual pit into the arms of the Savior who died for him. His baptism washed him clean. He died a forgiven sinner. He now enjoys perfect health in the endless celebration around the throne of the Lamb. That's why we minister in this vast land, which is still only 2.5% Christian. It is to pull one sinner at a time into the arms of Jesus. It is to show his love in how we treat people. It is to provide for them in the good news, the most important healing of all. God bless you for your support of this important work. Next up, we have a short devotion with Pastor Aaron Nitz. Our meditation for today comes from uh, the book of Psalms, chapter, or chapter 128, Psalm 128, verse 1. And it reads, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. Who doesn't want to have a happy, contented, peaceful, and enjoyable life? Everyone, right? Then perhaps the question is, how does someone have such a truly blessed life? There may be many different suggestions. If only you had this much money, then you'd be happy. If only you were able to travel the world, then you'd be happy. If only you had... Go ahead and fill in the blank. Then life would be happy and enjoyable, right? But the problem is, oftentimes we won't get what we wanted... And even if we do, as soon as we get it, we thought 
would satisfy us, then there's inevitably something else that we want, and we become unhappy until we get it. See, in this passage, God tells us the key to a happy life, the recipe for success, who the person who is truly blessed is. Where is it? It's found by fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. It's found by respecting the Lord, by hearing his word regularly. It's found by applying his word to my life and continually asking how God's word applies to this situation in my life. It's found by reviewing again and again how in Jesus my God rescued me, redeemed me, and has given me the riches of his heavenly inheritance. What could make life more blessed than knowing and holding firmly to that? See, that's the key to a blessed life today, tomorrow, and always, no matter what. I'm rejoicing in the riches of God's grace, and so are you. God's blessings to you. And now let's listen to Deep Calls to Deep by Spark and Echo.
now we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 2, verses 9 and 10. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. This is the only time Job's wife speaks. The devil has created strife in their marriage. She wanted his suffering to come to an end, so she wished for his death. In such agony, she could imagine no other end to her husband's misery. Certainly, she had lost almost everything he had lost. His property was her stability. His children were her children. Her grief for them went as deep as his. Now he had lost his health, too, and she saw her husband suffering to the point of death, and she knew that without him, she would have nothing, nothing at all. She was evidently still young, as we'll see later, and perhaps could have been taken in by another husband, but she wasn't thinking of that now. She wanted him to have peace and relief. Death was the only answer she could think of. The strife was religious. She urged her husband to give up on his trust in God for help. In their culture, there was virtually no record of suicide as an option, even to suffering. Although there are some exceptions in Egypt, that was a different culture, completely different religion. So Job's wife tells her husband to call God's wrath down on himself by cursing God. Even in his pain, Job showed what a responsible husband must do for his family. He corrected her mistake. He short with her, but that isn't necessarily his pain speaking. He doesn't call her foolish. He, is, he said she is talking like someone who is foolish. And he very correctly states the case for his suffering. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? If the book ended here, we would have a little example about our faith. We would know that Job suffered and we would have an idea that suffering is not always a result of some certain sin in our lives but the result of the sinful actions or intentions of others. In this case, the devil himself sometimes tempt us to sin. But Job's suffering did not end here. And the book, which will soon turn into a poem, will explore the reason for suffering and the consequences of sin in our lives. But Job's words should remind us of our place in the world and that all things are used by God for our good, even our suffering. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Next we have Pastor Tom Barthel with the Canaan Bound Devotion. Calling on the name of the Lord. Genesis 12, verses 6-9 Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. The great tree of Mor at Shechem was a central place for Abram. It was here that we have the first record of Scripture that says the Lord appeared to someone. We don't know in what form the Lord made himself visible to Abram. We see later on, though, in the same location what is first described as three ordinary visitors coming to Abraham and Sarah's tent for a visit. One of those visitors is then described as the Lord himself speaking. Here also 
the Lord appears visibly and speaks to Abram. God's purpose for appearing? To reveal his word. He doesn't come to make a flashy show of his glory, though he well could. No, he comes to make his word known. He comes so that Abram's faith is strengthened in his promises and in his word. And that word? To your offspring I will give this land. Now Abram had traveled a good deal through at least half of the land by now. He had observed, as Moses writes, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Ancient Egyptian texts also speak of a fairly large settlement at this time in Canaan, at this very location in Shechem. But God's word spoke, in spite of all appearances to Abram. Abram saw the Canaanites. He saw the land inhabited already. But he also saw the Lord and heard his promise of inheriting the land. Because of his grace, he appeared to us in the flesh. He, if tradition is correct on the site of Jacob's well, met at this very spot the Samaritan woman and spoke of how people would worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He came to give his word and to make our inheritance secure. He still comes in seemingly ordinary ways. Jesus comes as the word is spoken and read from the Bible and preached by his people. He is present when we gather together in his name, present as his word comes to us. He comes as he offers his body and blood in his supper, and with his forgiveness gives us the foreshadow of that heavenly feast that awaits us. It is by his chosen means that he also strengthens us and tells us of a great inheritance which awaits us, the gift of eternal life, glorified bodies, his eternal wedding feast in heaven. Does it seem like Jesus' promise to his disciples, the meek will inherit the earth, could ever be true? Does it seem like those who travel as strangers on earth are the same who inherit the promised kingdom of God? The moment you step outside your church doors or your home, leave your tent, you might see appearances to the contrary. It might seem like the wicked prosper, like they control the land. Meanwhile, often those who trust in the Lord appear to be less numerous and more like traveling strangers. Can you picture this man in his seventies, going out of his tent that day? He hears the distant busy working of his servants, the distant bleeding of his flocks and herds. As he stands by the great tree, the Lord appears to him to reassure him of the blessings he will give him. What was Abram's response? Shortly afterward, he continued his tour of the land, and he built an altar, called on the name of the Lord. This means he simply worshipped the Lord, and he did it publicly there. What more could we do than confidently walk through this life, worship him before the world, call on his name, build an altar to proclaim his loving presence? Like Abram, journeying through the land of Canaan, Remember him who revealed himself to us and continues to reveal himself to us. As you worship him, remember his promised rest. We end today with a recording of Jesus Lead Us On from a chapel service at the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. The hymn is number 422 and can be found in the Christian worship hymnal.
You have been listening to episode 10 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in February of 2013. We would like to thank Spark and Echo for allowing us to use their music in this episode. Their music can be found at sparkandechoband.com. We would also like to thank Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary for recording their chapel service. You can find the entire chapel service recording on iTunes or visit wls.wells.net and click on Worship and Chapel. As always, links to support these artists and other artists from previous shows can be found at canaanboundpodcast.com. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening, and may God bless your week. <laughs>